Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank and welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call and glad to be here with you. I'm sorry we weren't on last week, um, but I'll share with you at another program uh, why I had to miss. It was a powerful time and God is moving right now. Um, I hope to, by God's grace, next week. Uh, my cousin, I've been sharing with you about 30 25, 30 years, cocaine habit, uh, drugs, everything, uh, just Lord just snatched him up and has gotten a hold of him and just turned his life around. He's going to come on the room to call with me and share what God has been doing. And, and we've seen this happening all over now, folks, that people are coming to the Lord. Yes, this world has grown so dark and so evil and so wicked. And yet God is refusing to give up. If you want to come, I love the parable of the wedding feast. He says, go out because those who were bidden, they didn't want to come. They weren't worthy. That's fine. He says, go out on the highways and the byways. He says, find all, both bad and good. That's what it says. He said, anybody who will turn around and come to the Lord, they can come on. So folks, I don't know right now who it is in your life, your family, who you've been praying for. Don't give up. You may be the only person that's standing in the gap for somebody at this point in time. And with that, time is short. We are at the end of time. These are these are treacherous days. This is an all-out war to reach all the people we can while we can, while there's still light. Because there's, a, there's an hour coming, darkness is coming, when we will not be able to work. But for now, we need to share the gospel while we can. And with that, I'm going to bring on Brother Benjamin. If you didn't check it out, I'm going to listen. I'm going to let Brother Benjamin talk about it. But he was on Coast to Coast AM last night. That would be officially um, February the 2nd. So you can catch him on there. And I'll let him share a little bit about that with this. Brother Benjamin, are you here with me? Yeah, I'm here. Amen. Brother, um, I'm excited. And look, I want to sh- you to share a little bit about the being on Coast to Coast. Um, but would you mind just opening up with a word of prayer um, as we get started here? Yeah. Amen. Father amen. God, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord, we consecrate this time, this this little remnant call program, this little flock of of your sheep that gather to hear from you on this channel. Lord, we consecrate this time to you. We ask that you would speak to each of our hearts a Rima word that would bring life, faith, hope, love, and deliverance, healing, restoration, and all of the blessed fruits of salvation. And most importantly, Lord, that we could receive your shalom, your peace that passes. Amen. So we ask this in Jesus' name tonight. Amen. Amen. Brother, you were on uh, Coast to Coast. That's not that's a little larger than the Remnant Call <laughs> yeah. by a few hundred thousands of uh, listeners. But uh, share with us what what was that about? And, and um, yeah, what, what were you talking about last night? Well, I was just invited back. This was the seventh time I've been on the program. Uh, George, I think, enjoys me. I'm colorful. I'm controversial. And I... um, You? Yeah. Uh, You know, in 2019, in the fall of 2019, I told George and his audience that the 70th year of America Babylon was coming. That, you know, based on the Chaldean calendar, the 70th year would start in March... 19 of 2020 and that that within days of the beginning of the new year the world would change forever and i don't think george took it very seriously but sure enough on the third day of spring in the year 2020 president trump locked down the u.s and pretty much every other country as well joined and and the world locked down probably 90 percent of the world locked down on march 22nd there were some straggler countries that all went into lockdown over the following days. But in any event, in the early part of uh, March of 2020, the world literally changed. And it it changed forever. We're not going back. I know some people are, 
you know, hoping, wishing, dreaming that, you know, we're going to go back to 2019, but, you know, that'd be like going back to 1969. It's just not going to happen, folks. You know, you don't get to go back to Woodstock. They tried that in 1999 and everybody burned the place down, turned into nothing but a riot because this generation now is the generation of his wrath. You know, the, the liberal hippies of the 1960s actually really wanted peace and they handed out flowers to everybody. Uh, the woke liberal agenda today is darkness. It's destruction. You know, it's burning buildings. doesn't matter. It's, you know, it's communist insanity. It's the red dragon manifesting through the red horse of war that is manifesting on every conceivable level as friends, as families, as, as the many become offended one with another and hate each other and will will ultimately make war with each other, putting each other even unto death. And that's the hour that we're in. But so I went on coast to coast to, you know, to invite the audience to try to understand the world from a biblical perspective and and to share with George that, and you know, even as I said in, in the fall of 2019, that the world was going to change forever in a few months. So I went on coast to coast last night and basically said, the world as you now see it will not exist in 12 months time because world war three is coming in the fall of 2023. Now that is an opinion. I'm a financial analyst. I'm an, I'm an ex military analyst and I probably spent more time studying Bible prophecy than most people you'll ever meet. And these things are revealed by the spirit. You know, it's not, um, it's not based on the knowledge of good and evil that one can discern the things that pertain to the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of the mystery of God that is going to be finished very soon in all of our lives. This comes by the spirit of the Lord. But anyway, I think I kind of, you know, blew the audience away because um, not only did I go on the program with the message that the year 2030 is the final year of human history, and there's a number of proofs that we are looking at the completion of all these things within that window of time, that would push World War III into the fall of 2023. Frank, right before I got on the program, I was in prayer with uh, a prayer partner of mine, Brother Gordon, and we entered into a powerful anointing about an hour before the program. And after we finished praying, I realized, you know, the revelation came to my understanding that, wait a minute, King David said that the he would unveil a parable in the Psalms. And of course, it's the parable of the fig tree. And we know, you know, that Psalm 90 talks about the generation of Israel being 70 years. And if by strength, if the Gebarim, if the mighty ones come, it should be 80. But is that the exact answer? And, and you know, no doubt you guys have heard recently the insight that I've now found that Jesus said in, in the parable of the fig tree, the generation that sees these things, the, this generation shall not pass away. The one that actually sees the things of Matthew 24, including the rebirth of the fig tree, which is the state of Israel itself. And so I realized, well, wait a minute, shouldn't, shouldn't we really be looking at the life expectancy of the people of Israel that are alive today. And so I went and searched it out in the current life expectancy, the average life expectancy in Israel is 82.7 years. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a nice way of, of talking about the, the number because we talk about life expectancy, but it's really death expectancy because that's the number where half the population is expected to die. And past that, date, the majority of people will be dead. So the average Israeli lives 82.7 years, and it also, by exclusion, the average person alive in Israel today also dies at the age of 82.7. Well, it, 
if they were alive in 1948 and therefore on the planet at the time that the prophecies began to be fulfilled, if you had the 82 years, of course, you get to 2030. Well, you know, that's pretty phenomenal because it pushes World War III back into the year 2023. And in the Big picture today, you know, the, the idea that we might have a nuclear war, uh, you know, this is not something that is completely outside of the news. And Russian, um, I guess, the, the senior um, representative of their security bureau, uh, pres former President Medvedev, he's been reiterating this could lead to nuclear war we could end in nuclear war putin himself is threatened we will use nuclear weapons russia is making no bones about it that this war in ukraine if it continues to escalate it's going to escalate into a nuclear war and we know from the book of revelation the 10 kings that rule with the beast for one hour their seat of authority is in london and new york and washington Paris and Berlin, they dominated the NATO countries. Well, Benjamin, even the UN Secretary General, not that we need to quote them for any reference, but they're saying the same thing, the possibility of war. Our own former generals warning us that we are on the brink of nuclear war. It's and, and folks, I'm when it gets this far along and the mainstream news media is reporting it, it's probably a lot worse than what we think. Well, that's right, because we've been getting nothing but propaganda disguised as news for much of our lives. You know, as we've been living our lives, they've been lying to us. And, uh, you know, this isn't what victory looks like. This is what victory a la Vietnam looks like. During the Vietnam War, the American people were told continually, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning, until we lost. And... You know, this situation here in Ukraine is sort of the same. Ukraine is winning until it's not. And it's going to escalate into a nuclear war. The only question is when. So as I'm getting ready to go on coast to coast and we finish praying, I'm reflecting that, wait a minute, David said in Psalm 49 that he would reveal a parable. He will unveil a parable shrouded in mystery on his harp within the Psalms. I thought, I wonder if there aren't further confirmation in the Psalms. And then what flashed through my mind was, go read Psalm 82, verse 7. Because that's the number for the proper interpretation of the parable of the fig tree. The life expectancy of this final generation in Israel at this time. So I... Opened my Bible to Psalm 82, and I read verse 7, and I about fell off my chair. And I'll give you the context by starting in verse 6. The Lord said, you are gods, and all of you are the children of the Most High. He's speaking to Israel, to the chosen people. You're the children of the Most High. Verse 7, yet you shall die like men. This is a prophecy. Psalm 82, verse 7, is a prophecy of the death of the nation of Israel. That is the meaning of the life expectancy of 82.7 years. This is the only verse in the entire Bible that I'm aware of. And I went and did some searching today. Frank, I don't believe there's another verse that deals with the timing or, or God declaring that the entire nation would die. Ye, the children of Israel, the children of the Most High, you will all die like men. Well, how do men die? They die based on life expectancy. So I take that as confirmation. Um, it could be this astonishing coincidence. But in any event, you know, Frank, the, the confirmation just, just keep pouring in. Because if the 82-year ex life expectancy of, of Israel is the key to the parable of the fig tree, then from 1948 until 82 years in the future takes us to the year 2030. That would mean that everything will be fulfilled by 2030. 
Israel burns the weapons after World War III for seven years. That pushes World War III into this fall, which would mean it's the third year of judgment. And it's perfect, perfectly timed for the greater jubilee, for the final hidden jubilee of the prophecies, which is the missing jubilee of Daniel's prophecy in 9, 24 to 27. But it's also perfect fulfillment for the prophecy in the book of Hosea in chapter 6, where the prophet testifies, come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has smitten us, yet he will bind us up again. And after two days, he will revive us. And in the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live again in his sight. And of course, we know that a day to the Lord is a thousand years. Second Peter chapter three, verse eight tells us that. So if 2030 is the year of the second coming, and I'm not telling you the day or the hour, okay? I'm merely giving you the the time sequence, if the parable of the fig tree is fulfilled literally based on the life expectancy of the people alive at this time, which is what Jesus said. This people that will see this, that's the people alive right now. That would push the return of the Lord into 2030. Well, Jesus died and rose again in the year 30 AD. If his second coming is in the year 2030, that is exactly 2,000 years. It is precisely the two days of Hosea 6. And it's perfect fulfillment. The entire ecclesia of God will be resurrected at the time of the second coming. Because the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are left alive among the remnant will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the clouds on his way to Jerusalem. And as Martha and Mary said to the Lord after Lazarus died, and Jesus said, your brother will live again. I think it was Mary said, I know he will, Lord, on the last day. Everybody knew the resurrection was the last day. And the resurrection of the dead precedes the rapture. So, you know, our generation is scholastically challenged. They are unable to read the scriptures and come up with the obvious correct answers. And so they're all expecting to disappear in a preacher rapture. You know, it's a common held misconception. You know, we've not been appointed for wrath. Therefore, our generation will not have any boo-boos. Never mind that the early Christians were thrown to the lions or burned at the stake or torn apart by wild animals. Burned to death on the stake for standing for the word of God. You know, we're the special generation yeah. that does not suffer for the things of God. It's okay so for the Chinese to suffer and all the rest of the underground Christian church, but not the church in the West. That's right. They're the going to fly away. church that, that, you know, we, our portion of Christianity is pie and coffee after service. And the only thing we suffer is maybe poor service at the restaurant. And, you know, I don't mean to joke, but it is a joke what's been taught to this yeah. to this people. But so here we are. Psalm 82 verse 7 is confirming the 82.7 year life of the final generation. It's the perfect fulfillment of Hosea 6. And, you know, I mentioned that. 2023 as the year for World War III also fits perfectly for the second final jubilee. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people don't understand what I'm talking about. Is this, I've never heard anybody teach on this except for me, that there's a jubilee that's been hidden in the prophecies. Well, how do I get that? Well, let's talk about Daniel chapter 9. Verses 24 to 27, where we're told that 70 weeks have been appointed and decreed upon the city of Jerusalem and upon the holy people, upon the people of Israel. Seven, those weeks are weeks of years. They're not weeks of days. So in, in the fulfillment of things at the end of the age, the prophetic metaphor of a day becomes a year. And there's 70 
weeks that are 77 year periods. Well, that's 490 years. Well, every 49 years, the Hebrew calendar then records a jubilee. So 490 years would require 10 jubilees. The prophecy breaks down the this 490-year prophecy into two groups, a period of 62 weeks, which is 434 years. And within 400 years, eight jubilees occur. So if we take 434 and we add eight, you get 442. That was the compass of time from the commandment of Artaxerxes in 444 BC to the birth of Jesus Christ in 2 BC. And the year in which the Lord came among us was itself a jubilee. Then the prophecy continues that at the end of the age, another commandment would be given to restore Jerusalem. And this time, the Messiah would be coming among us after seven weeks, which is 49 years. And again, we add a jubilee, which is 50 years. And so now we've counted nine jubilees, eight in the 62-week prophecy and one in the seven. But there's 10 jubilees to the period of time. So where's the missing jubilee? Where does it fall in? Well, this final jubilee is a jubilee of the spirit. The law of the jubilee was actually a civil ordinance. The changes that were wrought by the year of jubilee were the forgiveness of debt. Those are civil liabilities. The freedom of slaves. That was civil law, civil slavery and the restoration of all foreclosed property. Again, a civil action pertaining to the status of persons and property and business relations among people in the flesh. And everything in the old covenant is a type and a shadow of the new covenant. So the jubilee that Israel observed, where debts were forgiven, slaves were freed, and foreclosed property was redeemed or restored, that was a parallel or a picture of a future greater jubilee, the final jubilee, when God would complete his work, when the mystery of Jesus Christ would be fulfilled, and God would basically restore his people to himself. Under the law of the jubilee, under the old covenant, all of the property that had been lost was returned to the rightful owner. Well, the ecclesia of God are going to be returned to the Lord. All of the slaves were set free. The people that are under the slavery of sin will be set free. Now, most of the church will, will no doubt dispute most of what I teach because they're on a different page. They're actually reading a different book. But, you know, the truth is much of the church is in bondage to sin. The church is in slavery to sin today. That's the Laodicean era. Even as Israel was taken into captivity to Babylon in the flesh 2,500 years ago, so the church has been taken into captivity to the spirit of Babylon in the spirit. And so the vast majority of Christians need deliverance on one level or another. And this is a generation that has wrought no deliverance. That's, I believe, in Isaiah 28 or 29. We've not wrought any deliverance in the earth. We've only brought forth, as it were, wind. And in much of the churches, the preaching is a bunch of hot air. There's no victory. There's no healing. There's no deliverance. And, and for the most part, in the lives of the people that gather every su Sunday, there's very little peace and there's no victory either. Because this church has been overcome. Go read Psalm 74 if you don't believe me. But now, as we approach this final completion of the work of God, the Lord is going to get his jubilee. And he's going to bring the year of his redemption. And that was what Jesus was referring to when he said, The day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. They come in the same year. The day of vengeance is the beginning or the judgment of the wicked. And in the same exact year, the year of redemption, the year of the spiritual jubilee has come. Now, there's a spiritual calendar and a civil calendar, right, guys? Nissan 1, which this year will be March 23rd, that's the beginning of the spiritual new year. Tishri, which occurs in September, is the seventh month on the spiritual calendar, but is considered New Year's Day on the civil or the agricultural calendar of Israel. So Israel 
has two calendars. We have a civic calendar for the things of the flesh, and we have a spiritual calendar for the things of God. And all of the high holy days are referenced to the spiritual calendar and all of the business and and legal matters of, of this present age are referenced by the secular calendar or the civil calendar in Tishri. They are exactly the opposite. They're exactly six months apart. Just like John the Baptist and Jesus's birthday were exactly six months apart. So would it be reasonable to suggest that the spiritual jubilee, the final jubilee where the Lord gets his property restored to him, where his people who are in spiritual slavery, he sets them free completely. And when when all of our debts from the generational curses and all the things that have weighed all of us down for so long, when all of those bondages are lifted off the people of God in a final spiritual jubilee, and that jubilee comes in the year of the visitation of the Lord, when he literally comes, even as he did into the land of Egypt, to release the slaves and to free the people of God under the custody of Moses. So the Lord is going to come in visitation in the earth. And it's it's in Jeremiah 29, verse 10. After the 70 years of America, Babylon have been completed. I will visit you. And I know the plans I have for you. Plans to bless you and to prosper you and not of evil. I'm not coming to bring the day of indignation to my remnant. I'm coming to bring the year of redemption to my own people. But it comes in the midst of the day of vengeance upon the world, and it comes with the whirlwind of World War III. And Frank, it is exactly the opposite of the Jubilee cycle in the flesh. And we know the Jubilees are every 50 years, right? So what's half of a Jubilee? 25 years. When was the last Jubilee? 1998. How do I know that? Well, Jesus was born in a Jubilee year. Israel was reborn in 1948. That's the same 50-year benchmark as the year 2 BC. You had 50 years to 2 BC, you get to year 48, folks. You had 50 more years from 48, and you get 98. And if the spiritual jubilee is exactly the opposite in the calendar of time, even as the spiritual year is exactly the opposite in the calendar of time, then 25 years later, after 1998, we would witness the spiritual jubilee. So you had 25 to 1998, and what do you get? 2023. Hallelujah. Our redemption draws nigh. Now, I was on Coast to Coast last night. One of the things I told people was, George Norrie asked me, you know, well, what what hope do we have? You know, what what can anyone do? Is there any hope at all? You know, and if so, where is it? And I said, the only hope left is in Jesus. The Lord alone is the hope of His people in this time. And, and then I said, you know, the wicked are done. It's over. They're going to be gone soon. You will not see them again. Even as the Lord told the Israelites, the day you cross. This Red Sea, the, the day you leave Mitzrayim, the land of Egypt, you'll never see these people again. So too, this transition year that is ahead of us in which World War III will occur in the fall, you're never going to see the wicked again. And then I told the listening audience, eternity belongs to the righteous. God has given eternity to us and we will live with him. We shall live in his sight for eternity. And for the righteous remnant that are being redeemed from the earth, that redemption begins in the second spiritual jubilee. Now, I guess maybe it's not a second jubilee for most people, but if you got saved in the year 1971 to 1972, you just passed through your jubilee by the Spirit of God for your walk with the Lord. And, and guess what you're walking right into? The second greater jubilee, the final spiritual jubilee, the year of the redeemed of the Lord. Now, I'm not trying to be a prophet. I don't even consider myself a prophet. I, I wouldn't want to be a prophet. If 
I would resign from the position. Uh, it's just been, God's going to remove the evil spirits and the prophets from the land. At the same time, that's in the book of Zechariah. Go search it out. So much what goes for prophecy today is contaminated. The people prophesy in Baal. They prophesy with pride. I wouldn't desire that, that title. I would rather desire the title of one who follows the Lord. But in this hour, it's the remnant who are, we're not the great people. We're the little people. We're the broken people. We're the people who cry when we hear his name. We're the people who are like Mary. She knew she risked her life to stand at the foot of the cross. She could care less. She would be willing to give her life if she could comfort mm. her master. Amen. That's the heart of the remnant. Mm. And I'm here to tell you that the, the second greater jubilee is coming upon us. All of the witnesses testify of this. Now, could we be wrong and could there be one more year? And does it even matter? I'm not, I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to awaken you to righteousness. But I think like a broken clock, which is correct twice a day, I think this is our time. Because if you evaluate the, you know, let's just go down the list. Okay, the global food system's collapsing. Every day, another food processing plant burns down. The chickens have all stopped laying eggs for some reason. Something new is in the environment, and you know it's destroying the ability of most chickens to lay eggs. My chickens, though, are doing very good, but I feed them completely organic chicken food. Um, we're looking at a situation where the financial system's cratering. We fractured the global economy. The world's breaking up into different military and, and economic trading groups. The United States is the laughing stock of the earth. Our, our government leaders don't even know what the meaning of the word woman is. I knew the meaning of that word when I was like in second grade, I think. Um, the global energy markets are collapsing in the sense that we've entered a period of what will become chronic systemic depletion, where the superfields and in Saudi Arabia have begun to deplete. And there's no way to replace this production without huge additional cost. And so, you know, the, the economic model of, of prosperity through cheap energy, that's ending. And what are the nations doing as a result of, of the sudden crisis where we're facing shortages of water, of food, of energy, of everything? You know, have all the nations gathered together and, and are we having a, a constructive dialogue on how we might all ration and share these now, you know, resources that are growing in scarcity? Or are the nations fueling their jet aircraft? Are they fueling up their bombers and are they fueling their tanks? And are the nations preparing for war and are we on the road to Armageddon? Well, you guys watch the news. Israel has attacked Iran in the last week. Hezbollah is mobilizing, preparing for an actual invasion of northern Israel. North Korea is saying they stand in the trenches with Russia. Iran, China, we're facing enemies that are too numerous for us to cope. And our own country is being isolated. No, all these things are coming to pass. Mm. I'm not a prophet. I'm just interpreting what I'm seeing and I'm interpreting the scriptures, and I'm just sharing with you my opinion. I've been wrong before, you know, but quite candidly, I was shown the day of the Lord in 1996. I was translated into the world that you're about to walk into. And I was there. It wasn't a vision. I've had visions. I know what a vision is. And, you know, believe me, if someone ever says to you, I can't remember if I had a vision or I just made it up, that person's a liar. I've actually had people say that to me. Or pizza. Well, no, if, if if you can't remember if you made it up or it was real, then you made it up. And you're, that's just a yeah. polite way of saying, I'm sorry I lied to you. Because a real vision is so powerful and so profound, you can't forget it. 
and you can't Amen. forget the fact that it was a vision. But when you get translated into the future, that's very different. You're actually there. And I got to experience the day of the Lord. And quite candidly, I didn't do very well. Actually, I did terrible. I think I probably had a nervous breakdown. And um, that is going to be a very common occurrence in the world that is ahead of us. A lot of people are going to literally lose it. Because it's going to spin out of control beyond your wildest dreams. And the only place where there'll be hope, the only sanctuary where you can be, your heart can be kept in peace is in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Those who dwell in the shadow of the Almighty will dwell in peace. You know, that whole Psalm 91 prophecy, just read just a little bit of that to you guys. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the covering, the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. When those foreign troops come looking for you, they're not going to see you. They're not going to catch you. And from the noisome pestilence, the next bioweapon won't harm you. And he'll cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you shall trust. And his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Those who dwell in the secret place. Notice the text does not say, those who claim Psalm 91. Now, what is this nonsense that the charismatic church was taught? Name it and claim it, Benjamin. Blab it and grab it. You know, declare a thing and it shall be established. Why don't you go back and study the Hebrew of that verse in Proverbs? The verse actually reads, you shall discern a thing whether it be true or false, and so your way will be established. You can't just claim whatever. But, you know, that's the fantasy world. Well, that fantasy is about to come crashing down into a reality of a time of affliction such as never was, a time of stress such as never existed before on this planet. And most people are literally in a, a placid form of denial and they're not ready. And when confronted with what is about to happen, they're not going to function well. May God have mercy on them. It's, it's, they're going to be a liability for the people that they're around. But for those who are called to be part of the remnant, we need to make our final preparations now. Because you guys, look, this war is real. In 1998, when I typed the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, and then I went on national tour, and I told the people that one day we would have a war with Russia, and that our country would be attacked in a massive nuclear strike, that seemed pretty unbelievable. You know, we were the ruling superpower of the earth. The American eagle ruled the skies without a challenger in sight. Russia had collapsed economically. It was a basket case. Russia and China, they, they didn't have the modern armies they possessed today. They didn't have hypersonic missiles. They didn't have the, the advantage, the conventional weapon advantage that they have today. None of that even existed. You know, there were a few voices. Dmitry Dudeman was out there warning that God had showed him that America was Sodom and Gomorrah and it would one day burn. And Brother Henry Groover, who I was blessed to know, had been shown by the Lord in many, many different visions and others. But those were the isolated words. The majority of the church was, was following false prophets. They were going to listen to completely absurd teachings in bizarre places like Pensacola, Florida, or Lakeland, you know, this false kundalini spirit had come into the church and people were being overcome with this absurdity. The, you guys may remember the laughing revival. I mean, you know, the only one really laughing at the laughing revival was Satan. The Todd Bentley or whatever it was, the yeah, kick you in the face. Garbage. Yeah. 
And none of that was a clean work and none of that produced any lasting fruit. And, and, you know, so many people went looking for a miracle, looking for deliverance, looking for healing. And all they got was more demons. If they got anything at all. And, you know, so many hearts broken, so many people, their faith shipwrecked, but the Lord is now going to come and take care of all of this. He's Amen. coming to visit. And, he said, I will protect that which is mine. So, you know, we're getting further confirmations. I'm actually glad that the day of the Lord is here because I can't tolerate everything else that's going on right now. I I can't bear to even consider what is happening to the babies in this country mm-hmm. or what's happening to the you know, maybe people don't care so much about puppies or kittens, but I don't want to see these innocent creatures die, tortured no. and hurt. And there's a whole lot of hurt and a whole lot of suffering going around more than any any of us can bear. And I'm grateful that the Lord is about to intervene and stop it. So, you know, Amen. we need to get ready, you guys. Yeah. And the only way to get ready, I, I, I tell you not, I'll tell you the truth. Prepare your heart to see your God. Because some of you are going home soon and you're going to be face to face with the Lord and giving an account of what you did with the rest of your life between now and the day that that's been appointed for you to see the Lord. And others are going to see the Lord when he comes in visitation. We are all going to stand before God very soon. And, you know, this present age is ending. It's over very quickly now. And thank God for that, right? I mean, could you imagine if this evil and this wickedness went on for another decade? Couldn't stand even be on this planet. But anyway, that's um, just kind of what was on my heart. And Amen. Frank, what do you think? Well, I mean, folks, the biggest problem is in America, especially in the West, we they suffer from optophobia. It's simply a fear of opening your eyes. It's a real disease. Being armed with information is a wonderful thing, but it's only a wonderful thing if you do something about it. You got to remember through all these things Benjamin's talking about, I know it sounds so scary, but God said specifically, fear not. Okay, there's this is not a call to fear of the world. I would say the fear of the Lord is a wonderful thing, and I do highly recommend that. Um, But it is a call to draw close to God because God is an expert deliverer. He's expert in taking care of his own people. And just because there's the fear of what can happen in the world doesn't mean he called you to fear. Matter of fact, he calls you to the opposite when the. When the men in the fiery furnace, you know, they had a wide open view right in front of them of what was going to happen. It was burning hot and they made a choice to serve the Lord anyways. And God was faithful. Folks, he's going to be faithful to us again. It's the same God. I hope to share these soon. I just got a taste of the Lord this past weekend that was so powerful. We were reeling, just glowing, literally. Uh, it was the first time I could remember being that extremely happy for several days because I was so filled with his joy and the world was still falling apart. None of that had changed, but it was a reminder that God is in control and it doesn't matter what they do. God is in control. If he's called you to stay here, stay here. If he calls you to leave, I highly recommend leaving. Don't wait. Don't look back. Just go either way. God has has a plan and he will deliver. Brother, you were spent you were mentioning something earlier about the remnant. It reminded me of a program that I'll guarantee you everybody here never heard probably before. I heard it because, you know, brother, I've known you for a long time and I've probably listened to, before we had Remnant call. I I I listened about everything Benjamin did because we've been friends for so long. Brother, you did a program years ago on the remnant, the myrtle tree. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Brother, I was flashing back when you were talking about the remnant. It just popped in my mind, a remembrance of that mm. program. Yes. 
That's who they are. They're the Myrtle Tree. Yes. And the, brother, we may have to visit that again one day because we have not mentioned that in years. And I know that was at least probably 15 years ago uh, that I heard that. Um, and I remember exactly where I was at in my neighbor's yard when I was listening to that. Uh, so anyways, what I'm, the reason I'm saying this is, folks, God has a remnant. And he is calling us to action in this hour. The other weekend, I was out just going around door to door, knocking on people's doors, talking with them, asking people if they wanted to pray, you know, and just there's so much hurt. There's so much need. You know, one lady, one of the um, girls right here in, that we kind of raised, she went to this lady's house and just knocked on her first guy she went to. And he's like, I'm an atheist. You know, get out. I don't want to hear. Next one she goes up to and the lady's like, I'm a shut in. You know, nobody ever comes to visit her. She's like, can I just pray with you? Folks, people are hurting. God wants to use us in this hour. And the the world has to get like this because that's how the gospel is going to finally penetrate every single per place in this world. They think they can keep the gospel out? <laughs> not when everything falls apart. They will not be able to keep the gospel out. And folks, God is going to finish this work. Brother, I appreciate your boldness. I'm thankful for all the years that you've blessed us here on the Remnant Call, the studies. And, folks, we're going to keep this going as long as we can. But you know what? The day God shuts it off, it's okay. You have the Lord. You have his word. Get in it. Study in it. And you know what? We'll meet up one day. If not here, maybe on the King's Highway. If not there, maybe we'll meet over in uh, in uh, Moab, you know, somewhere up in there uh, with the Lord's hiding place. And if not, how about we just meet around the Sea of Glass? All right, we'll have a remnant call, and the special guest will be the Lord. Amen? We could cancel all other guests at that point. It'll be the greatest remnant call ever in history. And so I'm excited about that. The Lord has sustained us on this program. He will sustain you through the very end. Brother, thank you. And please keep Brother Benjamin. This These going on this stuff may sound nice and fun. And, oh, you guys to go on a, you know, on a big national broadcast. These things come with a price. Oh, yeah. The, it it's you don't do one of these programs and it's oh look my my book's selling my no it comes with spiritual attacks it comes with all hell breaking loose usually on his life it's not it's not easy but if you're called well, to do something you do it yeah there's a lot of retaliation i mean you know there's i don't know six million listeners whatever 10 whatever the number is uh a lot of those people are angry to hear the name of Jesus. They're angry to hear the declaration that the word of God is the only truth. And they're angry that the God of heaven is about to judge their wicked earth. And you know, they love to hate the messenger. And Frank's right. There's a lot of, you know, people speak words that are, have the power of witchcraft. They, they say and do a lot of things that we get blowback. And, you know, part of the reason that we do get hit, and I i don't mean just me, I mean, anybody that's preaching the truth, is the church has stopped praying. Mm. And now, how do I know that? Because the Lord told me the church stopped praying. How many Christians today set aside any significant time to pray on a daily basis? How many set aside a half an hour or... How many set aside an hour mm. to gather in prayer, either mm. in your own prayer closet or maybe in a prayer of agreement with your spouse, with with another prayer partner, with with someone? How many are praying? Everybody's got time to watch the news. So if you find time to pray. And Amen. And, and it's, folks, it's critical that we learn to pray. Yes, That has got to become the essential skill <clears throat> because I guarantee you on the first day when the nukes go off and all civil order collapses and there's fear in the street, you will suddenly find time to pray. Yeah. You'll pray before anything. You won't move without prayer. Well, we ought to practice that skill set before it becomes a life and death issue. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And there's only one time frame I can think of that the Lord physically said how long he desired for you to at least spend time. And he said one hour. Could you not? 
And it was his crisis at the end of the earth, his time. Jesus was suffering at the end of the age on the first age. He was here on this earth. This was for him the last days. He was about ready to endure the sufferings of hell for all humanity's sin on his shoulders. And he said, couldn't you watch and pray with me one hour? It's the same thing. We're now at the end of the time. The Lord needs his people once again. He's asking us, step it up, church, step it up remnant believers and do something in this hour for the lord and you know frank didn't we do some teachings on the power of prayer or the prayers of the absolutely remnant? and brother i just got a letter from um henna or him you know or Hema, i'm sorry sister if i don't pronounce your name right um she writes me letters and i just they they just bless your soul um how when she listened to our one hour with the lord over a year and some ago or more She's been doing it ever since. Life game changing. Just oh yeah, yeah, folks. You you spend one hour with the Lord every day. Spend a half an hour in the morning, fifteen minutes lunch, fifteen minutes night. I don't know. Just spend an hour with Him. I guarantee you, on the Word of God, your life will change. It and you you whether you want it to or not, it will change. But there's one thing I want to add to that admonition, and thank you for the encouragement, Frank. Mm -hmm. We need to follow the instructions. In the word of God. Amen. And the Lord is very clear that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. The victory that's coming is not going to be my our might or our strength, nor by our power, but by my spirit, says God. Amen. And the Lord also said, when you come in prayer, enter my gates with thanksgiving, mm -hmm. enter my courts with praise. Do you know, take time to open your heart before the Lord. And um Take time to open your heart. Enter the gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Take time to enter the presence of God in the Holy Spirit. And then the anointing that will have the power to break the yoke will be there. Because, you know, straight, praying through the carnal mind, absent the anointing of the Holy Spirit is good. But praying in the power of the Holy Spirit is a world better. Mm. We need to learn how to enter into the presence of the Lord so we can begin to pray through the power of the Spirit of God. Then you will move mountains. Amen. Folks, if you've never read the autobiography of uh, George Mueller, oh, highly recommend it. Powerful man of God in the 1800s, never asked for a dollar uh, it just it, one of the most miraculous testimonies ever. And he even talks about his struggles in prayer and how he overcame and dealt with them. Powerful insights. You know, sometimes you get right up. You think, well, I'm going to read the word. Hey, spend some time praying first before you get into reading the word. Spend some time doing some. He had some he everybody, even the great men of God. Uh, struggle with certain things, but he had practical advice even in there on how he even attacked his own prayer life. Amen. Amen. This is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin on the Remnant Call. Sand everybody. Good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sound.